After an accident, minutes matter. Your words and actions matter even more. You need help, and you need it now. This is David vs. Goliath, brought to you by Dolman Law Group Accident Injury Lawyers, a boutique firm with a reputation for going head-to-head -head with the insurance company giants and putting people over profits. Thanks for joining us. This is an episode from our back catalog, so the episode numbers and firm name may have changed. But this is quality information, so instead of scrapping them, we decided it was more important to make sure you still had access. Enjoy the episode, and listen to new episodes of David vs. Goliath at dolmanlaw.com. Welcome to episode number 10 of the Dolman Law Group podcast. I'm Matt Dolman principal owner and managing partner of the Dolman Law Group here in Clearwater, Florida. Today, I have my uh, employment law attorney at our firm, Trescott Gear. Mr. Gear, say hello to our audience. Matt, how's it going? It's going great. Splendid day here in Clearwater. It's beautiful outside. Mm -hmm. We're going to discuss unpaid overtime today. Um, take us through, you know, what exactly is, first off, what is unpaid overtime? I mean, I understand as a concept, it's pretty right. self-explanatory, but who is really eligible for it and when do you really have a case? So let's start, kind of go with a bird's eye view of unpaid overtime. Almost everyone generally has an idea of what overtime is. It's when you've worked a certain amount of hours per week. Once you exceed that threshold, then you get paid time and a half. You're making 15 bucks an hour. All of a sudden, you're making 2250 for those hours over the threshold. Now, most people, if they work over 40 hours per week, they're all of a sudden looking at their paycheck and going, hey, should I be getting time and a half for all these hours I worked over 40 per week? Now, overtime is not a one-size-fits-all kind of policy. Overtime depends on different factors, depends on how much you make in a given year, how much you make in a given week, what type of job you actually perform, what are your duties, do you happen to have people who work underneath you. It's all a very complex pie that needs to be baked, but the first step is determining whether or not you're even eligible. Okay, I know we discussed before you get into that mm -hmm. in a previous episode, um, independent contractors versus employees. Yes. Is that an important distinguishment in, in or so, important criteria in viewing unpaid overtime? So distinguishment, we talked last time about 1099 versus W-2 employees. Sure. Both are technically eligible for overtime, but it just depends on this, what we would call the duties test. Now, there's no, I can't, I can't say the blanket statement that, hey, if you are a independent contractor for a machine company, that you're eligible for overtime any more than I can say that someone who's a nurse is eligible for overtime. Each different occupation carries its own exemptions and non-exemptions. Um, but no, just because you happen to be a certain tax classification does not uh, eliminate you from the possibility of getting unpaid overtime. Okay. So what are the classifications? What's the, uh, what's the salary threshold? Mm -hmm. Who is limited? So typically, according to the Department of Labor, which is the federal agency that regulates overtime and wages, you have to have made less than $455 per week, which averages out to about 23000 or so dollars per year. At that point, you are eligible for overtime. Any hours over 40 per week, you get time and a half. Um, and that's over 40 per week. Employers sometimes will try and get dodgy with it and try and claim it's 80 hours over two weeks. But no, each independent work week the 168 hours in a given week are treated as independent units for the purposes of calculating okay. overtime. Um, if you happen to make over that amount, it doesn't mean that you're ineligible for overtime, 
but it then goes to a different kind of test. It's the administration, professional, and other kind of exemptions. This basically means that if you are, for instance, a lawyer, doctor, we just had a doctor on the last podcast, mm -hmm. he is completely ineligible for overtime, no matter if he made $15,000 a year or he made $150,000 per year. Okay. If you are a professional employee or you have known your business, whatever the case may be, you are not eligible for overtime. Your employer can work you to the limits of the law as long as he's paying you the reasonable wage, which in this case, minimum wage is about seven thirty right mm -hmm. now. As long as you're being paid at least minimum wage, and as long as you're at least getting a 12-hour 12 12 non-continuous break every seven days, you're all, you're all good from that front as an employer. But when you are an, a person seeking unpaid overtime, you have to look and see are you in a position in your company where you are managing people? Do you have, are you the head of a department? Or if you're not the head of a department, do you have a series of people who are answering to you or who are answering to you, who are at your beck and call, so to speak? Okay. The law is going to say that you are not eligible. You are exempt. And the word is exempt. The so key, if you have subordinates, yes. you're, it's... you're going to be likely to be exempt. I can never say the 100% certitude because each case has its own unique. Mm -hmm. That's why you should come to the Dolman Law Group. We'll go through exactly what you do every day, determine the validity of your claim. But it's likely that you're going to be exempt. And that's the key. As opposed to saying eligible, not, we say exempt and non-exempt when it comes to overtime parlance. Okay. What are my rights? So I'm, you know, I'm a victim of not being paid properly my overtime wages. What can I do? What, what's the steps in the case? What am I looking at? Well, so the first step, obviously you consult an attorney on the matter. If the attorney feels as though there is a viable case, you can pull up to three years back of overtime. So say you want to file a case on June 1st, 2018. June 1st is coming up in about a month, a month and change. You can pull any unpaid overtime to June 1st, 2015, if it's found that your employer was willful or very almost criminally negligent in failing to provide you with the right, rightful overtime. Usually it's going to be two years back. We typically say it's hard it's hard for you to claim that your employer has been that evil, so to speak, sure. and preventing you from achieving the overtime. Most employers are going to claim that there's they had no idea, or but willful negligence, willful ignorance of the law is not a defense of the law. Yes, we know yeah, that. Matt, Matt knows that first sure. firsthand. Um, so you're going to look and probably get about two years pulled back for the time that you file your lawsuit, which is why time's of the essence. Every day that you delay may be costing you hundred bucks, two hundred bucks at a time. So what you're looking at is you're looking to file usually in federal court because it's a violation of the FLSA, which is the Fair Labor Standards Act. That's a federal law that protects people from minimum wage violations and unpaid overtime violations. The beauty about filing to the FLSA, and we love this word, is attorney's fees. Mm -hmm. It's that there's an attorney's fees provision inside the statute. That's how we get paid. Exactly. And there's also liquidated damages, which are also the cha-ching word for, for any attorney. Oh, yeah. Is liquidated damages, which are double the usual damages that you are seeking in this action. You can also potentially get punitive damages. You're almost never going to get punitive damages. That's the equivalent of an employer knowing that they violated the DOL and then just throwing that book in a furnace and claiming so that- it must be egregious. Yeah, it must be completely egregious. So you're almost never going to get that. But there are. it does stand to gain that there is some good stuff to get from an unpaid overtime suit. Now, when you file the suit, the employer is going to say two things. They're going to they're gonna claim either- that you were an exempt employee all the time and therefore your case has no merit, or in the more likely situation, they may agree that they owe you overtime, 
but the hours you've alleged are different. The problem that a litigant comes into play here, they don't usually have access to all their timesheets, all their time cards, all their stubs. So they have to estimate initially how many hours. How often they usually? I've, I've seen litigants, I've litigated nine different cases in federal court right now, and they're usually off by 200 to 500 hours, which is could be in the ten to $15,000 range of of error. The undervalue or overvalue? They almost always over, overvalue. I would assume it's- Yes. They almost always overvalue. They're always going to look at it and go, oh, well, I didn't, I must have worked 55 hours for each of these last 52 weeks, when really it was more like 47 hours. So the employer, once once you file court, you oftentimes just file a lawsuit just for discovery purposes. Okay. Because in any expedited scheduling order from federal court, the judge will order the timesheets to be released by the employer. And as you may or may not know, federal law requires employers to keep accurate time records for their employees. Mm -hmm. So if they don't keep accurate time records, that's a point in favor of the litigant in this case. The good news about filing a lawsuit, 95% of these never go to trial. They get resolved in mediation. The employer does not want to risk that attorney's fees provision because if you can claim one hour of unpaid overtime, you as a prevailing party are entitled to attorney's fees. Do these ever become class actions if it's across the board or this is uh, you know, habitual? I'm sure if they do it mm-hmm. at one employee, it's not the only lone individuals. Now, of course, we go into class actions. What were the terms from law school? Numerality, typicality, yep. commonality, mm-hmm. uh, all the common claims that predominate. Uh, you typically need, what, 25 people for a class? Correct. Uh, I believe you could... Enter, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that I know for. I heard 100. Do these often turn into classes? Yeah. They do in major corporations, okay. especially if it's the same class of employee, aka they were all data encoders, and they all happen to be underpaid by a significant amount. It's harder in smaller companies where each people have diffuse responsibilities. Okay. To get a class, but you'll see a class when it's hey a bunch of truck drivers, because drivers are oftentimes eligible for for overtime. Laborers are eligible for overtime. People who do non-skilled, I don't want to be, I don't want to use non-skilled in any sort of pejorative sense, but trade, you know, different kinds of trades are potentially eligible for overtime. There's a whole gamut, and we, the Dolman Law Group, can assist in figuring where you fit in the spectrum. Case by case. Scenario. Case by case. Okay. So what can be gained from the lawsuit itself? You can gain compensatory damages, which are the damages equal to the amount of unpaid overtime you would have received, but for mm-hmm. filing the lawsuit, you can get your fees and costs covered, you can get your liquidated damages, and the unlikely punitive damages. So say you file a case for $20,000 in unpaid overtime. You could stand to gain upwards of $60,000 once you account for the liquidated damages and the fees and costs, etc. So it's, it's probative of you to get this thing filed in an expedient fashion. Okay. Because you don't want to risk, you pull, you're trying to pull a third year back of unpaid overtime the employer has now liqu- dissolved or been liquidated or something happened in the billing process, you don't want to create more hassle for yourself as a litigant when you already are in a massive hassle when it comes to federal court litigation. Sure. Now, there are state overtime laws too. So in Florida, there are also state overtime laws. The way it works is sort of like the supremacy clause of the Constitution. The federal government creates a floor of rights. States are allowed to exceed the floor to protect people. When the two laws are, uh, what's the term? Conflict. In conflict, mm-hmm. the law will support, the, the court will support whichever law grants overtime to the litigant okay. of, the two, of the two conflicting laws. In Florida, 
as you can imagine, being an employer-friendly state, we don't have nearly as many overtime protections, which is why you have to just file under federal law. Federal law gives you the greatest suite of rights available to you. And do they ever fight federal court or transfer venue? I, I almost never see it removed okay. to state to state court. Once you once you file in federal, employers like that only because expedited. it's a lot more it's, it's expedited. It's a lot more professional yeah. in federal court. The judges let the, the attorneys do all the legwork, so to speak. But there's no BS in federal court. Yes, you don't see the games. That you, I see game games. Half my opposing counsels right now are just playing games day to day in state court. In state court, yeah, it drives me insane. Yeah, federal court's a lot more strict. Yes. Well, I appreciate it. We pretty much, I think we run the gamut of everything we need to know about unpaid overtime, or at least what our consumers will need to understand in order to mm-hmm. de- decipher if they have a potential case or potential claim. How do we reach you? You can, you can reach us either through the Dolman Law online portal, in which you can f- talk to a Dolman representative, suss out if you may have a case. Mm-hmm. Uh, we usually provide free consults for unpaid overtime here at the Dolman Law Group. My personal number is 855-GEAR-LAW. You can reach me at gearlawllc.com as the of counsel attorney here and we stand by ready to assist well thank you again for listening to episode number 10 of the dolman law group podcast i'm matt dolman that was Trascott scott gear have a great day thank you sir this episode of david versus goliath is over but your journey is just getting started to share your story with us visit dolmanlaw.com that's d-o-l-m-a-n law.com or call 866-965-6242. The insights and views presented in David vs. Goliath are for general information purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. The information presented is not a substitute for consulting with an attorney, nor does tuning into this podcast constitute an attorney-client relationship of any kind. Any case result information provided on any portion of this podcast should not be understood as a promise of any particular result in a future case. Dolman Law Group. Big firm results. Small firm personal attention.